With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Hello and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seasons of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and to helping you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Uh, you could do so by tuning into all our social media trying to make sure I got a good signal going on here because I can't hear anything. Let me uh, check to see what else, what's all going on and um, see if we can make this happen. I think I think we are live. So uh, just let me uh, do a couple of things here. That's the joy of live broadcasting, and uh, we seem to be doing well. All right. Um, as I said before, you can catch on all this on the social media. The Facebook page is the Zero Network on Facebook. You can join us there. Go like that page, and you can see archived shows from all the way back to at least 2010. Um, also on Twitter, the show handle is at Zero Radio. On Twitter, my personal handle is at Lorenzo T. Neal. Uh, we're still working on building a website. We're going to get there. I, you know, I've been procrastinating on this website thing. I have a my own website, LorenzoTNeal.com. You can go there, and, of course, the show uh, – it's there, but I've been saying this for a number of years. Y'all got to forgive me. I, I, I'm slow when it comes to website, and if you go to visit my website, you can see it's really amateurish, and I, I, I've been saying I'm going to upgrade that 
and I will. <laughs> and you can help me do so. Uh, you go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can help us uh, do the upgrade that's necessary. Also, visit our YouTube channel, Zero Today on YouTube, uh, and the new podcast that we just launched called Be Your Differentiated Self Podcast um, that's available on all your podcast outlets, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, everywhere that, uh, that you can find the podcast, it's there. And we appreciate it so much um, for helping us. And also the show, Zero Today Show, is also on uh, uh, many of those outlets also. So thank you so much for your support and uh, all that you're going to do. We're going to be talking about um, Trevon Martin and why we should – uh, bring the 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 epidemic of gun violence in black communities into the the celebration and acknowledgement of black history, and we're going to talk about that later on. But let me first get into this crazy this crazy year. Uh, it's election cycle year. Let me put it more specifically. This crazy election cycle. Year. Um, uh, yesterday, not only did they have Iowa caucuses, uh, but also, was it yesterday or Monday? Monday they had the Iowa caucuses? I, I don't know. They had the Iowa caucuses this week, and it turned out to be somewhat of a bomb, not in a good way. And of course, yesterday, um, the President of the United States made his annual State of the Union address, and although I did not watch it, of course, thanks to 24-hour media, I was able to catch up on some of the clips, and of course, many of these are biased and slanted toward whatever political perspective you had, um, and I, I, I listened to some of the clips. I did not listen to the entire message uh, speech, but I, I will go back and listen to it. Um, but the highlights that President Trump lifted was, of course, the economy touting its growth and touting uh, low unemployment, touting the trade deals, and touting – what else did he highlight? Um, oh, you know, our, our service uh, members and all that's going on. He, 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 he He's a salesman, Okay. And he did what he did. He pitched a good sales pitch to the American people, highlighting that in the last three years, all that has been done during his administration. And while you may agree with it, may not agree with it, I don't know your political slant doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, you have to you have to be grateful that the economy, that the nation is moving forward when it comes to the things that matter. You know the economy, jobs, and stimulation of uh, personal uh, advancement. I guess you a collective advancement. That we're doing we're doing pretty good. And um, of course, Trump. A lot of that is due to a lot of the regulation rollbacks that his administration has put out or overturned from previous administrations. And it it, it is what it is. But some folk are liking it. And then at the end, the conclusion of his speech, I saw something I just could not believe. I saw 
the sitting Speaker of the House, the Honorable Nancy Pelosi, rip the President's address. Just rip it. Just tear it right up in front of everyone on national television. And some people applauded her for doing that. Some people were like, yeah, she is putting it to him. And others were like, that's so disrespectful on her as the third in line for leadership in this country. She openly and blatantly disrespected the national leadership. And there were some other... uh, Things I, I, I would tell you, when you get on Twitter, you find stuff that just, I just can't understand why people uh, stay on Twitter so much because Twitter will have you having a nervous breakdown once an hour. <laughs> Comments, clapbacks, all of that stuff. I mean, it is just crazy. It really is just crazy how people respond and react to events like this. Now, I'm personally, this is me personally, I think it was disrespectful. I do understand uh, the frustration that has come upon her uh, specifically because there's division within the the caucus of the Democratic Party. There's division even with their presidential candidates. Those persons are all over the spectrum of what some would call progressive liberalism. They're all over the spectrum, and there is no guaranteed front runner. There is no person, and the Iowa caucuses apparently, <coughs> excuse, excuse me, apparently showed that the people, <coughs> oh God, man, I don't know what it is, that the people are not as engaged in this political cycle. I, I, and, and they're not engaged because you, I mean, you basically have not just the lesser of two evils, but you have <laughs> the dozen of two evils, or the half dozen of two evils. I, and, you know, I, I, I do not, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty much independent, but I do have uh, conservative leanings. I'm more centrist than anything. Um, I was, I would be described as a classical liberal. And if you understand classical liberal, it's not liberal in the sense that we use it today in American politics, but in the classical sense where there's a sense of individual rights over the collective, where the rights are deemed by an individual uh, given by if you want to say the creator, as we stated, as it stated in um, one of our founding documents, however you want to describe that, um, and I do not believe, I do believe, government should function in some capacity uh, to maintain, not to uh, determine human um, engagement in society. So, the government should create laws. And not morality. So I, I I strictly believe you cannot legislate morality. And so while I have certain beliefs on certain issues, I still believe that the government at the local, state, and federal level have no business trying to 
regulate individual affairs uh, 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 when it comes down to particular moral issues. Now, they are responsible to make sure that we follow laws that would directly <laughs> impede the function of government. That includes traffic laws, civil laws, all that stuff. That is a function of government to, to help that. But when it comes to individual liberties, uh, government has no place for that. That's just me. Uh, that that's just me. Anyway, I thought it strange the reaction of uh, Speaker Pelosi. Um, because I don't understand the reaction. I I don't. I really don't. Frustration. I can understand maybe a sense of humiliation that the governor, uh, President Trump, was touting all of this and. Trump, as I perceive him to be kind of a petty person, <laughs> and he's reeling in a sense of victory regarding this impeachment, which, uh, as we speak, is more likely uh, going to end today with the Senate um, acquitting him of the charges brought on by the House. And I still think to this day that the, the the House had no grounds for impeachment. They definitely had grounds for censure. They they should have censured him years ago. They could have censured him within his first uh, 90 days, first 100 days, because of some of the things that he did um, that cost us millions of dollars just from some of his executive actions. And, you know, Executive orders, yeah, that, that would have called for censure. Uh, did he? Did he? Uh, as one of the uh, charges brought against him, uh, did he over, overstep some of his presidential authority? I'm quite sure he did, and all presidents have, either by executive order or <laughs> Twitter feed. <laughs> but. The, the the question is, did he really violate his oath? And there's no evidence for that. Did he do anything that would put the country in in significant danger? There's no evidence to that. Did he do any of that? Now, I am not a Trump supporter or a Trump fan. I'm not a never-Trumper or anything like that. I simply you – know, I did not vote for Trump uh, based solely – and this is just me solely on his moral behavior. <laughs> That's it. That, that, and I know I was completely biased by that. And that's just me because um, other Republican candidates had a higher standard <laughs> they had to adhere to. I think about Newt Gingrich, and they did not want him because of his infidelities uh, and some other issues and scandals that he had. And he was not morally equipped enough to lead our country. Mitt Romney uh, was, even though he received the nomination, there were a lot of persons who didn't support him because he was Mormon. Mormon! That was it. He was not Christian enough. And then we have Trump who was none of the above. (laughs) Oh, Lord, have mercy. But anyway, so he's likely to be acquitted. In the Senate today, but this whole this whole thing I tweeted earlier, and it, it's just funny to me, you know. I I I I don't I can't denounce it because I I guess I understand 
the action is supposed to be a big symbol of protest, I guess. I don't know. But at the same time, I wish we had a factory reset button <laughs> that we could that we could push to reset national politics. You know, I mean, politics in and of itself, the system. We are a republic. You know, we're not we are a democracy, but we're a democratic republic. And the system was designed to be empowering to the everyman. But politics has become so corrupt over the years and and Trump has has come in and usurped that corruption to his advantage. So he's just playing the game better than some of the former politicians have, some of the former presidents have. And He's not trying to hide it. He, or if, if he is trying to hide it, he's doing a lousy job of it. But that's neither here nor there. But my, I, I just wish we could have civility in national politics. I really do. Because national politics is what more people are focused on. They're not focused as much as on local politics as they are on national politics. And I am of the opinion that we should focus on local politics. Those local elections for your sheriff, for your mayor, for your city council. And if you are um, you know your county supervisors if you have those, your police jurors if you have those, your constables if you have those. Um those are the kind of elections that really impact you immediately, you know, because they're the ones who will uh, go on to enforce or to let uh, create ordinances, enforce ordinances, and all that stuff. They have a direct impact on you, socially and economically. So, you know, you, you do that, and then at the broader scale, you have the state elections. And while state elections are very, very important. Um, they're critical because, as again, when it comes to state elections with state representatives, state senators, how they legislate, if they're legislating morality, they're stepping over their boundaries. That's just me. Now, there's some legislation that should be birthed out of moral concern. Like in my case, I'm an advocate for gun violence prevention, so I am at, I am an advocate for gun legislation that – um, prevents gun violence without enhancing, uh, uh, overstepping the boundaries of individual rights to own a gun based on the Second Amendment, however you want to do that, without infringing on that right. But there should be, you know, legislation that governs how people should be responsible with their guns, and I'm an advocate for that. I'm an advocate if um, for prison reform. And here in Mississippi right now, we have a very, very serious issue with our state prisons and local prisons in some cases. And um, the state legislators are the ones who are, especially those on the appropriation committees in, in the various houses in the, and Senate chambers, You know, they are the ones who are tasked with not only seeing where funds can come from, but allocating how those funds are dispersed to enhance 
those persons who are part of the criminal justice reform, I mean, criminal justice system. That includes the guards. That includes the wardens. That includes the persons who paved the roads leading into the prisons. And that's all important. And that is that happens in the state houses. But the average person never gets past local. And, and think about this. In 2008, you had more people, particularly black people, and, and this is uh, generally, I don't have the statistics in front of me to, to you know get specifics, but generally you had more people vote in that 2008 election for president because of Barack Obama, because they had been uh, marketed that Barack Obama was going to be the first black president, you know, um, just my tie here, uh, irregardless that he's biracial, uh, irregardless that uh, <clears throat> his actual legislative career was short. It was very short, Consider, um, considering uh, the time that it took for him to get elected as a state representative or state senator in Illinois or state office, let me just be state office in Illinois to and a U.S. senator, and he'd only been a U.S. senator for two years before being elected, uh, well, almost three years before being elected president. So that's a very short amount of time, and you know, and he spent eight years. And depending on who you talk to, some that was was some of the best years the country had ever seen. Uh, or those some of the worst years the country had ever seen. Depends on who you talk to. But the thing about it is, we have to get more engaged altogether because things like this should not be happening. We should not be seeing a sitting Speaker of the House behaving so way. We should see. We should not be seeing a sitting President behaving in such a way. We should be seeing. What we believe presidents should be, moral and civic leaders in this country. Uh, we believe all elected officials should have a, a certain standard of morality and behavior, plain and simple. There should be some civility in there. But I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful we're not like some um, other countries where there have literally been violence <laughs> – Breaking out in their houses of government, you know, fights, uh, shootings. There, there have been uh, around the world this this occasion. We, you know, uh, in relationship in relation to all other countries, we are very civil in our political engagement. You know, you know, I think some of the political ads could get a bit testy, and <laughs> the the the. Uh, Political stompings, you know, as they going through and campaigning can get a little. To, and this is a great example. Two thousand sixteen with the debates between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Those were hilarious to me. <laughs> it was hilarious. That was. I, I mean, I didn't know whether to laugh, cry. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But I, I do hope as these. As this primary season gets underway, uh, as the Democratic candidates go through these various primaries across the country, 
whoever comes out on top, I do hope that they can find common ground and not just pander to interest groups or interests that they believe will carry a certain amount of weight when it comes to the election. Uh, we know on the right side, the Christian evangelical is that that's that group. They carry a whole lot of weight. But there are a lot of persons like myself who are more centrist. We want, you know, we want our our leaders to reflect the totality of the America, e pluribus unum, out of many one. And you could do that without pandering, I believe. That's just me. But hey, what do I know? I'm just a preacher. <laughs> I'm just a, I, I'm just a preacher. I don't know anything. But I do know one thing. I got a break coming up, and right after this break, we're going to get into our topic of the day. So tune in. Stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to get into the topic of the day. Uh, Trevon Martin, gun violence, and black history, and why all of this is important and critical to how we view and celebrate uh, the black experience in this day and time. So be right back. You're listening to Zira Today with Dr. Lorenzo Neal. So if you're not aware, I am a very, very curious person. I'm always trying to learn new things. And um, so I recently learned about Skillshare and... It's opened up so many doors for me on learning how to be a better creative person. I've learned, I've taken classes on uh, creative writing, on my podcasting, on my YouTube videos, all of that. It has come in handy. And I would strongly recommend you, if you are trying to improve on any skill that you have and you want to go from being a hobby to uh, make it a pro, <laughs> I, I, I want to invite you to go to Skillshare.com. Uh, Skillshare.com is where you can go to learn all kinds of things. They have workshops on everything that you can imagine, photography, videography, uh, writing, anything that you can think of. You can find it on Skillshare. So, and I'm telling you, you're gonna you're gonna really love it. It's it's worth every single moment, every single class, and you'll you'll love it. You'll great greatly enjoy it. Go check it out. Skillshare.com slash Zero Today Radio. I'm Dr. Lorenzo Neal, and I like to speak with my fellow clergy about a way to enhance your life and ministry. Are you looking to better connect with yourself and those you minister to? When was the last time you explored your emotional intelligence and health? I want to offer you my service as a coach and counselor. I've developed a six-week coaching program with a specific focus on self-differentiation. My background in education, leadership, and community counseling psychology gives me a unique look to the connection between our emotional wellness and our ministry. Blending spiritual principles with a family system's approach to ministry, I will help you become a highly self-differentiated person with a ministry that is engaging, liberating, and transforming. Contact me at PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com to schedule your first session with me. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and working with you to serve this present age and to fulfill and engage all yourself to do your master's will. Blessings. You may find it hard to believe, 
But at one point in your life, you're going to need access to reliable legal services. Legal issues can be confusing, complicated, and even a bit embarrassing. That's why I joined the family at Legal Shield. Legal Shield offers the most affordable, comprehensive legal coverage available. And for a small monthly fee, I have access to Legal Shield's personal plan that includes attorneys who will represent me and provide me advice, even draft and review documents on my behalf. Not only do they provide excellent legal service, but with their ID Shield, I'm also guaranteed protection from all fraud, including identity theft protection. Did I mention to you, I have so many perks and benefits that come with being a member of Legal Shield? Yeah, they pretty much cover the plan by itself. For the last 45 years, Americans have trusted Legal Shield for all their legal needs. And I'm glad that I've joined them. So give them a call. Visit their website, www.legalshield.com. I'm telling you, you will be glad that you did. All right, welcome back to Zero Today. And again, you're joined by your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal. I appreciate you being uh, joining me and appreciate you joining me. Uh, if you missed the first segment, go back and listen to it. <laughs> and um, be sure to check us out on all our social media. Facebook page is Zero Network on Facebook. You can catch all the archive shows there. Also visit us on our Twitter feed, at Zero Radio is the Twitter handle for the show. At Lorenzo T. Neal is my personal handle. And we really appreciate all your support. Also, consider being a patron for us and supporting the show. Visit patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal. And uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you can help uh, make this show better because we're trying to be better. We really are. It's 2020, and I'm still behind the bar. <laughs> I'm still behind. But anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Today, uh, we are observing Black History Month, um, and I, I I really appreciate this month. I celebrate Black History all year long. I don't wait to... February to do so because I'm learning so much about our black excellence, let me put it that way. So many heroes, so many achievers, so many greats that um, go unnamed, unrecognized, but have done tremendous things to engage black communities, to help, to change black communities, to help us be the people that we were created to be in the midst of oppression of all kinds. We have been afforded opportunities to recognize ourselves, and we should do that. We should celebrate Black History 365 and not just 28. But anyway, uh, today would be Trevon Martin's 25th birthday. He would, If he were alive, he would be 25. If you're not familiar with Trevon Martin, Trevon Martin is the young man who was killed um, 
in Florida at the hands of George Zimmerman, who used a defense of stand your ground laws in Florida to kill Trevon, who he believed to be an intruder in his neighborhood. Trevon was visiting his father, and, and it was somewhat of an upscale, exclusive neighborhood, carrying uh, a bottle of tea, a bag of Skittles, and wearing a hoodie. He was seen as a threat. He was unarmed, and when approached by Zimmerman, they got into a scuffle, and uh, Zimmerman decided and probably has defended, uh, his defense stated successfully, that um, he feared for his life, and because he feared for his life, he he took the life of Jerome Martin. Now, mind you, he wasn't supposed to have a weapon, but he had a weapon anyway, and uh, he hadn't had a good life since. <laughs> it's not funny, but uh, he has not had a good life since. Uh, Trevon's death sparked what would become the impetus of the Black Lives Matter movement, along with other Incidents that involved unarmed black men and women, uh, either shot at the hands of law enforcement or other persons, non-melanated, for one reason or another. And that movement spurred, uh, you know, it it got mixed reviews. Uh, I, I engaged in the movement particularly in 2016, because there was just so many things that were, that seemed and still do unjust when it came, particularly with law enforcement and where officers were um, killing unarmed black men. And a lot of it was on video and they were being acquitted. Um, And some people were saying that was, you know, just unjust and to a degree I do agree with that but I understand also how a system is having a brother in law enforcement and then on the broader the broader sense um, this week the first week of February has been recognized um, as National Gun Violence Survivors Week and As a person who has been directly impacted by gun violence, I lost my 25-year-old mother, Sharon Neal, to an act of gun violence that back now it would be 40 years ago, 40, in 1980. She's just 25 years old, had four boys, of which I am the middle uh, set of twins, and I have an older brother. We lost our mother, and... uh, you know, we've been having to deal with that all these years. My uh, One of my brothers, Emmanuel, was later killed. Uh, although it was not an act of gun violence, it was still an act of violence that impacted our family. And then in 2016, my 18-year-old nephew, Kevin Neal Jr., and we called him May. We called him, I called him Liv Care, uh, up-and-coming young rapper. <laughs> As all teens are, <laughs> uh, he he was a, a a nice young man, big smile, big ears. 
um, and wonderful personality, outgoing, really, really good. Um, lost his life to a senseless act of gun violence in 2016. So I am an advocate of gun violence prevention, and I do so with the Everytown Survivor Network, as well as Prayers in Action um, with the Survivor Sunday. Uh, I'm engaged on in that. And I advocate that um, we can, we should do all we can to prevent gun violence. And I stated earlier in the previous segment that one of the things we can do is, you know, get with our legislators and help them see the necessity of gun legislation that is that is um, common sense to help keep guns out of the hands of those persons who who should not have them. That includes violent criminal offenders, uh, those who have felonies with violent histories, uh, those persons with severe mental illness. And if you pay attention to every mass shooter, the diagnosis is automatically a mental illness. And I'm being very generic, please, very general. That is not the case. Um, But a lot of them, you know, they they have a history of some type of mental health concern that goes either overlooked or unnoticed. And uh, out of the hands of those persons um, with histories of severe domestic violence. And when I say histories, uh, because sometimes domestic violence, as in the case of my mother, may be ongoing and ends in the death. And sometimes it's just, you know, a simple battery, they fight or something. And again, I'm being very general. I'm not giving statistics or anything like that. I'm just speaking in in generalities. Uh, And so as an advocate for that, you know, this is something that we could talk to our legislators to help them understand it. Sometimes we need, as I stated before, sometimes morality uh, should be the impetus for drafting legislation. And uh, but legislation should not be created to uh, promote morality. Let me put it that way. And that's probably not the best way of saying that. But we should always have laws that reflect a general moral view or moral absolutes, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, stuff like that. We should have laws uh, such as that. Um, But, you know, other things become more subjective, and I think that once we get to that line of subjectivity, we can do more harm than good. But that's just my opinion. Whether you like it or not, it is what it is, and I gladly engage you on that. So if you want to make a comment, I Glad to invite you to do so. Um, so on the Facebook page, you can you can leave comments on that. Also, you can I think you can still leave comments on um, on uh, the show page at Block Talk Radio. You may be able to do that. But either way, and if you want to do directly, leave me a comment. Just hit me up, Pastor Lorenzo Neal at Gmail dot com, and you know we can engage in that in that capacity. But anyway, while I while I'm saying all of that is because. Gun violence uh, is not something new to the black community. It is not new at all. We have been impacted by gun violence 
for generations. Now, the gun violence that we are seeing now is more impactful because the gun violence is being carried out more concentrated in our communities by our young black men and in some cases young black women. Um, this more concentrated in communities of color now than before. Not that it hasn't been happening. It's just that people now have more access to dangerous weapons. And I remember growing up as a kid in the late 80s and 90s when the Bloods and the Crips were following, you know, were growing and the the gun violence that was uh, being perpetrated in those communities where those gangs were not just the good bloods and the crits, but you also had the vice lords, you had the gangster disciples, and the various neighborhood cliques that were just as violent as some of the national gangs. Um, we saw that growing up, and I, I never forget. I was walking. This is a this is a tangent. I was walking home from school one day. I was in high school, and I got stopped by a police officer. Only because I was wearing blue and white. That's the only reason I got stopped. I got stopped. I had, I was in the band. I had my trombone case. And I had my backpack. I was walking home. I got stopped. The officer frisked me. The officer opened up my trombone case to search it as if I had a weapon in it. Then the officer had the nerve to tell me that I fit the description. Uh, someone who had just committed a crime, and I'm like, dude, look at me. Just look at my glasses. My glasses were too thick to carry out a robbery uh, or, or any act of violence. I mean, I had my backpack on. I had my trombone, and I'm, you know, I was rocking. I think I had the. It was a Nike. Yeah, it was a Nike blue and white jumpsuit and back in you know this is in the early 90s maybe around 90 or 91 so i'm just like a freshman sophomore sophomore in high school but that incident has stayed with me largely because that again this is during the height of this gang violence and i also remember the the year that the banging in little rock documentary came out and i have that i've had the opportunity to meet with those guys a lot of those former gangsters who were in that documentary uh, when I went into Arkansas and went to college, a lot of them had become reformed. Those who had gone to prison were out and they became advocates and social uh, um, activists. And I had the chance to speak to a lot of those brothers. Some I can remember the name, some I can't, but I saw firsthand how after being a part of that documentary, they saw their life differently after seeing how they negatively impacted their community. They changed their behavior. They, they changed their their um, perception of themselves that in turn changed their perception of their neighborhood and the value of human life. And they became advocates for such. And that moved me then and it moves me now. Because um, I was just at a summit um, on prison reform as well as gun violence. And to hear, I heard a young man who had done time in prison at one of the state prisons here. 
uh, that is under scrutiny now. He had done time there. He had been a disciple, I mean, a, a, a gangster. He had been a gangster, and how once he came to the realization of the negative impact that he was having by doing what he was doing and how it hurt him and how that time incarcerated helped him reframe how he saw himself when he came back, when he re-entered society, he made the decision. He made the decision to do better and to help others do better. And uh, and this is why I think this should be a part of our discussion in black history. Think about Malcolm X. Think about Martin Luther King Jr. Think about uh, many of the race riots that happened. Think about much of the uh, the death that we saw, our, our our communities saw post Reconstruction, and a lot of that was gun violence. You had white people killing black people just because they could, in many cases, and being found not guilty by juries of their peers. You know, and we we talk about the protests, we talk about the the martyrs, and, and to know that we had martyrs who were killed through gun violence should be a part of the narrative of Black history now, so that we can engage this present age where gun violence is still around and heavily impacting negatively our communities, especially our young men who our young brothers, our young black brothers, they are full of angst. They are full of all kinds of of angst. And they have no means of expression. You know, when I grew up we had recreation centers and there are some that still have but a lot of cities are 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 really hurting for cash to to do after school activities to to hold out you know to hold all these things that used to happen in the neighborhoods you know and then and honestly a lot of our churches are so disengaged now so we're not engaging our own kids in the church they come in they sit and they still just as frustrated in the church and they go out and they have no outlet of expression. And and I'm gonna be honest with you. I I I come in contact with a lot of young men, and I have a couple who are in the church that have ambitions to be rappers. And and I am one who's always encouraging. And I, <laughs> one one guy, one of the young men in the church, he's been rapping and uploading to YouTube. And I said, well, let me see. I want I want to see. I want to I want to see and hear what you're doing. What you what are you talking about? And of course, you know what they were talking about. <laughs> Teenagers, it's violent, it's sexualized, and, and it is what it is. And I was listening, and I said, okay, I can, you know, I'm like, you know, you know, my background is in music, and in music uh, studio recording, all that. And you know, I had a studio, I I helped build the studio in my university back in the day. They got a they have a great one now. I don't even know how to use half the stuff. <laughs> I said, but I have a background. Let me help you. Let you know. I I don't really 
like what you're saying, but I can help you. I I can engage you because at least I understand the process, what you're trying to do. I may be quantum years behind, but the basic stuff, I know how to do. I can teach you how to have develop your engineer's ear, you know, because uh, I took a whole course on listening just to be able to do recording. And I'm serious. I did. I had... <laughs> I'm looking at the book right now. I still have my book from my um, my uh, studio recording class, and I'm looking at it. And when I tell you, there's a whole chapter on just the hearing, the ear. I'm like, man, how did I survive? But it it, it helped me quite a bit. And to this day, whenever I hear music on the radio, I'm listening intently because I hear it differently. Because I have an engineer's ear, kind of thing. But anyway, that's that's way off. We uh we have to integrate this conversation into Black History Month because it could be an impetus to helping us establish the the, the things that need to be established and brought forth throughout the year to empower our young black men. Uh, our young black men are frustrated. They and even if they are in a, a place where resources abound, if they don't have access to those resources, they get the frustration and, and the angst of it if they don't have access to it. And we're not utilizing the means to creating it for them anymore. And that's what I hate. And and I'm guilty just as, as much as some others, you know, of not really saying, look, we, we're celebrating black excellence, and much of this black excellence and achievement that we're celebrating happened during the time of oppression. It happened when our people experienced a greater sense of oppression, but that, that, that gave them a greater sense of determination, like, the, um, like our national hymn says, you know, uh, we are sing a song full of the faith that the dark past taught us, and we are to sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. When we when when we put it in a perspective, and we 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 draw the correlation of the gun violence that affects our communities to the history of violence. That served as an impetus for change in our communities. When we put that into the narrative, to a greater degree, and not just highlight the the small things, you know, we know King was assassinated. We know Malcolm was assassinated. Malcolm was assassinated by blacks. Black men killed him. When we bring that into the conversation. And we say, look, this is not anything new, but this is something that can be manageable. We can discern, we can help you discern what is the root of your rage, which rage. We can help you discern what is the trigger that's causing you to pull the trigger. We can help you discern and we can empower you to uh, change from the inside out, so that when you see a brother that you have ought against, 
you don't immediately reach for the gun. You, you, you know, you don't also don't immediately put up your fist to fight. Find a way to find a way to engage that person in a nonviolent means. We we see what happened when nonviolence was used as a methodological approach to civil rights. It worked. And I believe the same means can be uh, uh, applicable to young black men when they're facing this distress of urban neighborhoods where resources are limited. And even if they are not limited, they don't have the access to. And, and not only that, they are dealing with emotional issues that they don't know how to articulate. They're dealing with emotional issues that their parents don't know how to articulate. They're dealing with issues in in their world that even the church is not articulating. The schools are not articulating. Nobody's really articulating it. And they're trying to find the means to articulate it. And it's coming out negatively in the form of violence, gun violence, aggression. And and I can't say it will end anytime soon, but I can say we are in the moment right now where we, if we put this on blast, like with my nephew, I you know I share my story of my nephew and how his death could have been prevented even by his own friends. I share that story, and I'm like, if they came to see how they committed their their brother's death, and at his funeral, I preached his funeral, and I preached, you are my, we're brother's keeper. We are responsible for our brothers and our sisters, not just by blood. And when we look through the annals of African-American history in the diaspora and on the continent itself, we find a, we find a, a, a people who in all forms of oppression found a way to survive. And I think we can do that now. I don't think our black boys are lost. Uh, you know, I know, and even though in some states the prison system seems to be uh, more thriving than the educational system, I still believe there's hope. And as we celebrate black excellence, we can counter it with acknowledging the plight of black gun violence. Yeah, there's black on black crime. Everybody knows that. That's a that's an argument that's being played out. We know that there is black on black crime. The question is, how can we change black on black crime, particularly gun crime? How do we limit access to these boys' guns? How do we get them if they if they really want to have a gun? Let's give them a gun and train them on how to use it properly. Train them on how to say this weapon is for the protection of your family, not the death of your brother or your sister. If they are in relationships and and, and, and they're mad at their, their girlfriend or their wife or who, their significant other, how they could take out 
that violence, how, how they can take out that angriest, that anger in another capacity instead of grabbing a gun and committing an act of violence or putting their hands on a woman. I know that's easier said than done. I don't you know. I, I know. I probably even sound like a contradiction right now, but I'm going to be honest with you. I just believe this has to happen. We have to, as we do it this month, we have to do it with a sense of urgency. Now is the time to act, to be preventative in a lot of the things that is causing the violence in our communities. Now is the time. We don't have much more time. Tomorrow is not promised. We must do it now because we need our young black men. We need our young black women. We need them. They are our legacy. They are the legacy of our ancestors. (sighs) I got to be about up. But I'm going to tell you this. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to do all I can to empower young black men and women, young black boys and girls. They got enough. They got enough going on. They got predators they have to deal with. They have issues in their classrooms they have to deal with. They got bullying they have to deal with. They have all uh, all kinds of things they have to deal with. And yet God has bound us together as a collective body that we can enable change. We can be the change we want to see. We can march to the beat of a deep, different drum when it comes to gun violence. We can do it. We should do it. And I believe we will do it. Anyway, I ran out of time. Again, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I want to invite you, if you have not done so, become a patron of the Zero Today Show. Uh, simply go to patreon.com slash zero to uh, Dr. Lorenzo Neal or Lorenzo T. Neal. What? Yeah. Patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal. You can see how you can support us. Uh, there's a PayPal option there, also there. And we, again, invite you to support us uh, by tuning in and listening to our new podcast, Be Your Differentiated Self. It's completely separate from this. And it, I tell you, when you listen to it, I like it better. <laughs> But we invite you to join us on that. Follow us on all our social media. If you have a comment, we invite you to hit us up an email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com or info.zme at gmail.com. That's the optional email specifically for uh, the show, uh, info.zme at gmail.com. We appreciate all that you do to help us, and we try to do all we can to help you, empower you to change this world. You can do it. But we appreciate it. Uh, anyway, this is Dr. Lorenzo Neal. I want to thank you for tuning in. You guys have a great day, and I'll talk to you. See you later. Peace out.
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.